When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's going on, everybody? Zach Rosenblatt here with Daryl Slater, back for the latest episode of the Talk is Cheap podcast. Um, a lot has happened since we last talked. We're going to get into some game-by-game predictions, uh, looking at the schedule, because the schedule came out last week. Um, there's been some news. I figured we could talk about that uh, in the beginning, but we got OTAs starting. Well, OTAs already started, but we'll be going uh, on Thursday. We're recording this on Wednesday. Um, Daryl, how excited are you for the very important OTA practices that will oh, in the future? Yeah. Can't wait. Hey, but it's the closest it qualifies for football at this point. I mean, at least uh, instead of seeing rookies, uh, most of whom are never going to play for the Giants ever, uh, on the field in rookie minicamp in shorts and T-shirts, we get to see uh, people who actually will play for the team in shorts and T-shirts. So from that perspective, I mean, you'll hear the coaches kind of downplay what happens in the spring a lot. But, um, you know, I think we've written about this and talked about it a little bit. Like, you know, that they have a new coach and so much change and so many young guys who are expected to contribute that uh, this is kind of a, obviously a pretty important spring for them more so than say a team that has more continuity because they have to kind of get a handle on things and a handle on personnel. And so they've already started and we'll get our first of three uh, looks at them during OTAs out of the 10 OTAs uh, on Thursday, tomorrow, as we're talking. Yeah. You know, I, like you said, like I, nobody's going to like win or lose their job necessarily like right now. I mean, unless they were like very bad or something. Um, but uh, like Joe Judge, when he was hired, was the pandemic and they didn't really have the mini camps and OTAs that they normally would that year. So Dayball is already starting with an edge over like the judge regime. And there's a new system they're incorporating both on offense and defense. A lot of new players to incorporate. Um We'll see, like, which players do and don't show up. We haven't heard yet if Canarius Tony is there. I think he's the big name everybody will be looking for. Um, if he's not there, that's, you know, I think you sound the alarms again. Uh, I know it's voluntary, but that guy has no excuse not to ingratiate himself with the new playbook and the new coaches and all that stuff. Um, so I think I'm, I'm most interested to see, first, if he's there, second, how he looks. Um, so, like, the Giants have done, like, these reports for each of their OTAs so far uh, where they've, like, written about standouts and guys, you know, playing certain positions and, there was no mention of Tony. There was no photos of him. There was no photos of like Kenny Galladay or Sterling Shepard either, to be fair. But I think it's more important that Tony's there than those guys, right? Yeah, and and, and I would think perhaps Shepard would still be maybe Injured, inside yeah. rehabbing or whatever at this point uh, from his uh, torn Achilles. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, the, the interesting thing about Tony is when we talked to Brian Dable during uh, rookie minicamp, he mentioned that Tony had been there at voluntary workouts ever since he initially showed up. So he obviously wasn't at the voluntary mini camp, which was like their first set of like of these sort of practices that they had that was right before the draft. And then he showed up draft week um, once the trade rumors started uh, swirling. Interesting so timing. Yeah. I mean, if, if he's been here since then, it would be more notable that he just like decided not to show up for this, which is <laughs> obviously the most important part so far of, of, of the spring workout program so uh, i guess we'll see i mean and beyond that i mean you saw last year like he rarely was a full participant in practice last year he skipped voluntary otas as a rookie which is just so weird like it even 
even like having to write that in stories now, like looking back, like being like Tony, who you know, didn't report last year, whereas you know, Kevon Thibodeau has already shown up and he's all over their Twitter and their photos and stuff. I mean, pretty much every note, right? It's every, so rare. Whether you're signed to a contract or not, you show up to the voluntary, like it, and it just kind of like so physically, even beyond like the maturity stuff, which is a whole conversation that we've had many times. Like the guy needs to like have the training, like training with his own trainers clearly didn't work last year because he was constantly getting hurt. I know there was the COVID thing, which certainly impacted him, I think, at the beginning. And that's why he missed a lot of training camp. Um, but, you know, he heard, he came back from COVID, hurt his hamstring. He hurt like various parts of his body over the entire year, missed like seven games or whatever it was. Uh, he left a couple early, got thrown out of the one for throwing a punch. Like this guy can't stay healthy. So. I, I think these practices are valuable just to get the guy in, in shape. I mean, who knows what he's going to do in his own time for a month and a half when they when they leave for the summer after a mandatory minicamp uh, next month. But um, like even just for fi- for the physical part of it, like do the coaches trust Kadarius Tony to go home and, and get in the right shape and you know get himself physically ready for the season to where they can bank on him not getting hurt and being there for seventeen games? Like I don't know if they're going to have that confidence, especially because he hasn't even really shown up. He didn't really show up for a couple weeks to start the summer, so I don't know. I, yeah, I don't think he's got off the right foot. He's certainly talented. I think the, it seems like they're going to play an offense that uses a lot of receivers that a lot of like spread it out four receivers, three receivers at a time. So you have guys like him and Wandell Robinson who kind of have similar skill sets, and but you can line them up anywhere. So it it will be best for the team if he's healthy and playing, obviously. So I don't know. I mean, or or to help us trade value in theory, but um, anyway. So. I am interested to see what that looks like. You know, we're just going to be our first time seeing guys like Kayvon Thibodeau and Evan Neal with the rest of the players. Um, although Evan Neal, it's harder to judge offensive linemen in this kind of thing because there's not really contact, right? Yeah, and there's they don't go away. You don't put pads on. I mean, yeah. you always hear coaches say, like, it's really hard to judge O-linemen and D-linemen in this setting because there's there's no pads. And, um, they're you know, they will contact each other, but yeah. it's not the type of uh, – setting that that's all maybe a guy like Thibodeau might even look better now because the O-line can only do so much like he might you might see him getting to the quarterback in quotes during team drills or something but right um, it it really till training camp isn't it's not until training camp when we don't even know like what a day bowl practice is going to look like yet either so I mean the things you can kind of look for um in this setting is you know if a guy's making a couple nice catches yeah it's more skill position guys dropping balls if cornerbacks making bad throws yeah yeah. I'd say skill position guys defensive backs Mm-hmm. And and the quarterbacks are the main ones that to keep an eye on. Um, yeah, for sure. It's hard to judge, like you know, how good are they playing against the run? Well, they can't they yeah. can't tackle in the setting, and and, and we, it should be noted. I mean, obviously, they're not going to be doing a lot of tackling to the ground in training camp. E- no. Even coaches who do old school type stuff. I mean, like Judge did, yeah, right. It's not like he was tackling to the ground every period of every day. No. Um, even, so it, it, it's even cornerback even is kind of hard to judge because a lot of times I'll run drills where like the cornerback is not allowed to, you know, put their hands up. So it's like, so do you judge that as a good catch or a, you know, so that it, so, but I mean, yet, like you said, like even in training camp, like this is why guys get overhyped because it's all situational stuff. And, you know, maybe a, a receiver is looking really good because he's going against a bad cornerback every day, which is like the, the opposite has been true a lot of years for the giants where maybe the secondary looks good because their receivers aren't talented or vice versa. And I think in training camp, I think you're going to see, Giants receiver is probably dominating because I think the Giants secondary, which we can even get into now, the Giants secondary is kind of a mess. Um, uh, since, since the last pod, everybody obviously who's listening, I would think would know it unless unless you're banking on our podcast for news. In that case, I apologize. <laughs> but uh, 
James Bradbury was finally cut um, as expected. Um, we don't really need to get too much into the nitty gritty of it. I think the the negative is that he signed with the Eagles today, um, which I kind of expected because I think he just fits what they're doing on defense really well. He can be their number two corner. Um, Eagles now, have, I mean, the Giants now have to see him twice a year. As somebody pointed out, funnily enough, Kenny Galladay um, spent uh, a bunch of years in Detroit going against Darius Slay in practice and a, a year in New York going against James Bradbury in practice, and now he's going to have to play them twice a year. So if anybody knows how to defend him, it's those guys too. Yeah, that's and you know he knows he knows kind of their tendencies too. Yeah, that, that's an interesting point. Um, but yeah, so I mean, he he obviously found a really good home there um, and had multiple suitors, especially once there was, uh, you know, once teams could sign him for a lot less than he was going to make. I mean, the contract is ten million dollars max. He's guaranteed seven and a half. Um, it's going to be cl- the real true value is closer to the seven and a half than the ten. Um, yeah. But still, um, a chance for him to go and. Uh, play for a better team, honestly. And, uh, you know, the Giants had already paid him that roster bonus uh, Joe Shane had while they were trying to trade him. So it's not like the guy's in the poorhouse right now. Uh, made a quite a bit of money from the Giants. And uh, he can hit free agency again in a year. Like Exactly. That. So he'll be motivated on a lot of levels when by the time he's presumed, if he's healthy, presuming he's healthy, by the time he faces the Giants, of course, that's not going to be until later on in the season, yeah, mid-December. Definitely. Yeah, they don't play. They play them very late in the year, which is we're going to get into the schedule, I guess. I so who knows what their receiver group will look like by that point in terms especially of injuries, with the, especially with the receiver group. <laughs> like you have three guys that are injury prone and a five foot eight rookie. So yes, a lot could change between now and then. Yeah, I mean you're talking uh, seven months away before yeah, they actually by, play. by then the Giants, if they realize that. I mean, they might even the Giants might even have traded a bunch of guys at the deadline at that point. If the Giants are bad this year, I mean, you, you could totally see Joe Shane trading guys like Saquon, or maybe if Galladay's playing well, or Kadarius Tony. Like, they're, they, these guys could get traded. I don't, yeah, even for sure. Williams might be a guy that a contender would want. Like, I don't know. Um, so that should be interesting. Um, but so, what it means for the Giants' secondary right now? Like, it was already looking like a weakness, even if hypothetically Bradbury came back, but we knew he wasn't coming back this whole time. So now, it, you know, if you look at so their secondary last year entering the season was James Bradbury, Dory Jackson as the corners, Darnay Holmes slash Aaron Robinson at nickel, Logan Ryan, Xavier McKinney, Jabril Peppers at safety, which on paper is there's a lot of talent, a lot of potential. It didn't really live up to that, I would say, but on paper, you you feel good about that. This year, they cut Logan Ryan, they cut James Bradbury. Um, they're moving Aaron Robinson to the outside. So right now it's a Dory Jackson who can't stay healthy and has never been a number one corner. You have Aaron Robinson, who was drafted to play nickel. You have a rookie in Cordell Flott battling Darnay Holmes in the nickel. You don't know how a rookie's going to look, and Darnay's been up and down. Xavier McKinney, who I think has flashed some talent, but I still think he has to prove he can be the guy. And you have Julian Love or fourth-round pick Dane Belton, who I don't think either of them necessarily make you feel all great when you're going against receivers like A.J. Brown and Terry McLaurin twice a year. Um, but I had, had, what, 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 I mean, what you, there's not really much to say about the secondary, but this is pretty pretty brutal, right? That sums it up. I mean, it's one of it's got to be one of the worst secondaries on paper in the NFL. Um, and obviously, you know, things don't always play out as expected. You know, how a team looks on paper isn't always yeah. uh, how it turns out. So they could look worse than they look right now. <laughs> um, it could surprise us for all we know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, it's hard. See, one of the harder positions to play as a rookie in the NFL or even a young guy's corner. I mean, it's a tough yeah. position to thrive that quickly. Um Especially because with the, of especially with all the rule changes and how hard yeah. it is to defend the quarterbacks and stuff. Right, you can't be as aggressive uh, after five yards. The hash marks are different, so 
That's why, I mean, you see a lot of rookie receivers thriving. Uh, obviously, yeah. not Kadarius Tony last year, but, uh, you know, obviously, Devontae Smith, uh, Devontae Smith, and um, Jamar Chase, and yeah. Jamar Chase, and the Waddle, all those guys last year. But corner remains a really difficult position for all those reasons. Um, so uh, I think it's going to be a tough hill to climb for Flott. Um, for even a guy like Aaron Robinson, who did play some outside corner last year. I mean, they did draft him to be a slot corner. If you look at the snaps, he played a little bit there. He played a little bit on the outside. He didn't play a lot because he had the core muscle injury. He wound up actually playing more on the outside. Yeah. But he's far from a proven something snaps or something like that. Yeah, he's far from proven at either spot. So now you're going to put him as your number two corner. Teams are going to be targeting him a lot. Um, it's it's not ideal. Yeah. Um, and it's interesting because I think when they hired Wink Martindale, a lot of the talk coming into this offseason was how important cornerback is because when you have a good – when you feel good about your back end, then you could blitz a lot, which is what he loves to do. And I think they've invested – I mean, they haven't really invested money in anything because they didn't have any money, especially on defense. But they drafted Kayvon Thibodeau. Um, they drafted a couple linebackers. They brought back Blake Martinez, Leonard Williams, Dexter Lawrence are back. Um, so you, they're, they, like, have some talent up front, but you wonder how much they're going to be able to, to do or how much – like or or the Giants just going to try and win games that are like thirty five to thirty one, which you know based on how their offense has been the last two years, you don't feel great about that idea. But it, it kind of feels like that's what they're going to try and like if they're going to win any games, it's going to be high scoring affairs where they're giving up a lot of points, taking a lot of risk on blitzes, hopefully forcing turnovers, and then you hope that Dayball can get the offense in the right direction, right? Isn't that kind of it well? It's funny because you look at the way they won games. Last year, and it was it was the exact opposite of that. Yeah, I mean, they, scoring, yeah. I'm looking at their scores right now. They won 13, 13 to seven. seven against the Eagles, right? Yeah, yeah, 27 21 in OT. Their offense obviously played well that game in New Orleans, uh, and then the Raider game 23 16, and then uh, they beat the Panthers 25 3. So, uh, even in the three regulation wins they had, they capped out at 25 points. Yeah, um, obviously, they were one of the worst offenses in the league last year, and they need to. Clearly, if they're going to be a team that can win shootouts, they have to hope that like literally everything goes right for them uh, in terms of health, in terms of luck, in terms of Daniel Jones' growth, and all that. The line coming together, so it's going to take a lot for for this team to win. And we'll, you know, we can get to predictions, but uh, it's going to take a lot for this team to be anywhere even close to a legitimate, like competent team. <laughs> I mean, there's an early stretch for them, but like come no, mid-November, it's hard to imagine them being in a position where you could say like, oh, they're, they're having a decent season. Um, yeah. So, yeah, it's going to be a, it's going to be a slog for them this year for sure. Yeah, and it's, it's interesting because I think if you look on paper, there's they don't really have like I did a thing the day after the schedule came out, like ranking their hardest games. And it was not that easy because they don't really have that many like great teams. I think they like nine or 10 of the teams, or I guess if you, if you count games, cause you count Washington twice, I think it's like 11 other games are against teams that didn't make the playoffs last year. Or something. Yeah. It's a, it's a quote unquote bad schedule. Yeah. Which is like, but it, that's all like based on last year, which is kind of the fallacy that you run into when you do predictions and stuff, because you're kind of basing it off last year and you're like, okay, all these teams were bad last year, but you know, some of the good teams that they're going to play might not be good this year either kind of thing. Um, but yeah, so like on paper, everybody's, they have not a hard schedule, but you have to remember that for all the other beat reporters writing their predictions from the other end, they're like, all right, they play the Giants in week X. They're going to beat them. That's an easy win. So um, like I, everybody's looking at the Giants as an easy win this year, I would say. Yeah, I mean, they're one of the worst teams in the league. There's no doubt about it. I mean, we talk about how the schedule is soft or whatever. Well, they're all, they play some bad teams, yeah, but they're also a bad team. You know, so like 
when they play the Jaguars in Jacksonville. That's a game the Jaguars are going to say, we should win this game. When they play the Bears, that's a road game at MetLife where the Bears say, well, well we ought to be in this game. Same with the Panthers at MetLife Stadium. So, um, you know, and any anybody on that, no one is going to be looking at the Giants and their schedule and saying, like, you know, we, we don't know about if we can win that game. I mean, they, they, everyone they play is going to think, oh, that's that's a game we should win. Yeah, I would say if you want to look for, like, reasons to think that they can improve their record or surprise anybody, I think number one would be the schedule. Number two would be just – I think if you look at – they won four games last year and they were an absolute disaster. So I think even the year before that, if they actually could score any points, they make the playoffs. So I think just by virtue of – in theory, like, we don't know what Dable is going to look like without the specter of, like, Sean McDermott hanging over him. Um, but if, like, he can just get some base-level competence in the play calling, like – that should help them a little bit. Like I don't think I don't think they matched up talent wise with teams last year either. And they still, you know, in the beginning of the year, they looked a little. By the end, they were an absolute, you know, train wreck. But I don't know. Like I, if if Brian Diable can, if coaching at can add, like I could I could see coaching adding a few wins for them. Like so, I, I think it's reasonable to expect them to win more than four. Though it wouldn't be surprising if they also didn't win four games. Like weirdly, that's like where they're at. Yeah, I mean, if you look at their schedule. And pick every game that they, you know, that they definitely should lose, and every game they pr- probably should compete. probably should win. I mean, it's more than four. Yeah. Um, but but you know, it's weird because you know things will always go. They'll they'll probably win a game or two that they that they that they shouldn't, and then vice versa. So, um, yeah. I mean, it, but you know, hey, they start the season in Nashville, so there'll be a ton of optimism, and it's a good road trip, and um. And then it's a little it it's not too tough through the first week in October, and then they well, hit a little bit of a gauntlet. Let's get into it now, then. Actually. Yeah. The so we you just mentioned the Titans game. They start week one in Nashville. Excited to get some hot chicken. I love Nashville, great city. I'd say it's one of the best road cities um, for fans that travel. I would highly that September is a good time of the year for that too, because uh, I feel like it won't be too hot, but it also isn't winter yet. Um, so that's the important part. But for the actual game. Um, like so, in theory, this is would be a good time to like catch the Titans sleeping because they, you know, they got rid of AJ Brown. It kind of feels like they're in a rebuild. They're kind of trying to move on from Ryan Tannehill. Don't think they really made that many additions this offseason. but they still have Derrick Henry. They're still more talented across the board than the Giants. Like, I think they're favored by six and a half in the early going. Like, it, the 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 edge the Giants would have is that they're kind of a, they're one of the mystery teams going into the year. They don't know you know, what Dable's offense is necessarily going to look like with all these new players, if he's going to help Daniel Jones, if their offensive line is going to be better. Um, like, it wouldn't shock me if they upset the Titans, but I would certainly not pick that, and I did not pick that. I think I picked a loss, but, like, I if, did too. if they were going to upset one of the teams that are definitely better than them, I think the Titans would be high on the list. That would probably be the one or two. Um, but, yeah, you know, I think they're not going to have an answer for Derrick Henry, and I have that being a loss as well. Yeah, and week two, Panthers is an interesting one because I think Panthers have some talent on, like, defense. They have Christian McCaffrey. They have uh, wide receiver. They have DJ Moore. Um, I think their offensive line got a little better, but they're playing either Sam Darnold or Matt Corral. They, they legit probably have the worst quarterback situation in the NFL. I, like, wouldn't you start Daniel Jones or Tyra Taylor over both of their quarterbacks? 100%. Yeah. Like, there's how many teams can, can you say the Giants have two quarterbacks better than any of their quarterbacks? So, like I, 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 I mean, they might have the, the worst Panthers. starter and yeah. the worst backup in yeah. the league. Well, I mean, nothing against Matt Coral. Yeah, is it Coral or Corral? I don't Corral, know. But, I think um, nothing, nothing against him. But you know, he he could want to be a good player. He's a rookie. He's a third round pick. How many third round quarterbacks are good? So I mean, I think if you put put the pecking order of starters and pecking order of backups, yeah, you, know, you could make an argument. Both of those guys are thirty 
or below. Shoot, I mean, Davis Webb would be competitive in that quarterback room at least. Like, I don't yep. think he'd start. But like, that's how, that's how low I am on Sam Darnold. I, I was high on him coming out, but he's like the fact that he might be a starter again. In I mean, they tied themselves to him um, when they did the option thing. I guess in theory they could still, if the Browns dump Baker Mayfield or something, they could get him. But it it the way their cor- current situation is like. If the Giants don't beat the Panthers, then I don't know how many teams they're going to beat this year. So I picked them to win that game. I picked them to win that game also. I wasn't particularly original in my picks. But, um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, there's a couple games that would certainly qualify as, like, majorly depressing home losses, and that yes. would be one of them. If you look at the home schedule, it's super soft. Uh, and that's, I wrote a little awful, something yeah. saying that, you know, I wrote something that's sort of a saying, like, look, I mean, this is a way that Brian Dable can, I mean, it's not like he made the schedule uh, like college football coaches, but they're, you know, obviously they don't control their conference games anyway in college football. But uh, the soft home schedule is sort of a way to kind of in, you know, for him to a little bit endear himself to this fan base because they, they probably should be, least, yeah. yeah, the optics should be good at home. They should be competitive. And so, yeah, maybe they're going to go and get their butt kicked in Green Bay or whatever, but, uh, well, in London. Um, but, um, you know, fans are going to get a chance when they put their fannies in the seats to see maybe not a decent product because it'll be two bad teams running into each other, but Hey, a close enough game where you can, where they can say, Hey, maybe we're going to keep showing up to, to watch this team against other bad teams like the Texans that like coming out of the bye right in week nine. Uh, there's a couple manageable games there. So fans, a lot of it is about optics. Um, and optics is one of the big reasons why Joe judge got fired. And so yes. obviously Brian Dable's not getting fired. So he's not in the hot seat, but but optics matter, and there's a chance for them to polish up some optics, uh, polish up, get some good optics at home. I mean, just remember the remember the last time they were playing in front of their home crowd? That was when Joe Judge uh, QB, yep. QB snuck it in the right, know. and and that that didn't matter for the game in terms of the result. Yeah. But again, it gets back to that's a bad luck. Yeah. By the it way, was. you used the term fannies, and I that that's a DGism. You used to say fanny instead of butt all the time, and that made me. Oh, <laughs> we miss him. We miss him. <laughs> he uh, he worked. Leonard works his fanny off. <laughs> healthy is a hoss healthy has a hoss jotting all right uh week three there are monday night uh, i believe this is rosh hashanah which has uh been like a topic of discussion because usually the giants try to avoid games uh that night but uh john mayer did not get his way with that um so they played cowboys monday night obviously the cowboys are more talented the cowboys are always liable for some weird losses but they usually start off the season really hot uh, so I, I, I have no reason to believe they, the Giants can beat them even at home um, on primetime in front of everybody. Like, maybe they'll be competitive. That's the best you could hope for. But on paper, the Cowboys are still way more talented, obviously. so Probably going to be a lot of Cowboys fans of that game, especially yeah. if folks who are celebrating the holiday decide to um, you know sell their ticket. Uh, and, look, I mean, you're certainly going to be able at that point to get more than face for your ticket if, if you would like to stay home and celebrate. And it's unfortunate, the timing of the game, obviously. Um, but uh, – yeah, I think no matter how you slice it, the Cowboys fans will turn out for that game. And bottom line, if there was if it was in front of zero fans, the Cowboys are better and they'll win that game. Yes. Um, all right. The next week is one of those games that you talked about that, like, if you lose it, then you feel yep. pretty bad about yourself. Because I think you could you could argue the Bears if you go position by position, the Giants are probably better than them at most positions. Honestly, but it depends on what you think about Justin Fields, but he's unproven. They didn't get him like any receiving talent. I think their number one receiver is going to be like Darnell Mooney and Byron Pringle. And they signed Dante Pettis who might play for them. He was like the sixth receiver for the Giants last year. Their offensive line is brutal. They got rid of a bunch of guys on defense. All their draft picks were focused on defense for some reason. Like they, they look like it. They're completely just like tanking this year. So 
the Giants can't beat the freaking Bears in week four, um, that would be just absolute disaster. So that I mean, I'm we're kind of being pretty cookie cutter here, but I imagine you're going to pick a win here too. A little bit of a short week, but it's home home on the short week, um, Monday to Sunday. Um, so there's nothing particularly that that challenges you here. Um, the opponent's manageable. I think they win. I think they start two and two. Yeah, I mean, if you, if you come out of the first four weeks two and two, you feel pretty good. I mean, they they were like one and seven in both Joe Judge years. So, um, yeah, so you feel good about two and two, even if the two wins are against two bad teams. And then this, then they're hitting the hardest stretch of their schedule, probably I would say, just based on the travel and all that. So the next week is in London uh, at Tottenham Stadium against the Packers. Doesn't if if not maybe it's better that it's in London than in Green Bay because it probably would have been cold in October in, in Green Bay and that's a tough road environment. But um, I mean, shoot, it's Aaron Rodgers going against one of the worst secondaries in the NFL. Even though they got rid of Devontae Adams, they're talented everywhere else. Like I I don't think this will be even close. Giants fans will wake up early that morning for this game and by lunchtime will you know eat away their sorrows. Yeah, they're gonna get destroyed. That, that's it's really as simple as that. And, uh, but Hey, you know, the British museum is free. You can go see a lot of stolen artifacts. And, yeah, and I, enjoy I appreciate your time if you go over there, getting me a trip to London. That was very yeah. nice of them. I'll, I will thank them for that. Um, but so of note, both the Packers and the giants. So teams have the option of taking a buy after a London trip, or they can choose not to. Um, and the, and the giants said, no, thanks because they have some like West coast trips and stuff. I think. So the NFL rewarded them with maybe their hardest home game with against the Ravens. They're going to, they're going to come back from London on what they probably would leave after the game on Sunday. Right. So they, they leave yeah. Sunday, they come back Monday, their bodies are probably not fully adjusted at the time, a few days. And then they have to play the Ravens who over the years have just absolutely destroyed them. They're a running team. They run it down your throat. I think two years ago they had like 300 rushing yards against them and they killed them late in the season. Um, it, that's just like out of all the games. I mean, I, outside of traveling to Seattle right away, I don't know if there could have been a worse game for them coming out of London. And I, I think they might even get beat more by the Ravens than they did the Packers, honestly. Yeah. They're going to get spanked by Lamar Jackson and company. And the, I mean, look, the, the London game, I think is about two thirty local time. By the time they get out of there, it'll be around, you know, eight, eight thirty. make the six hour flight back, but you get the time change right in your favor coming I'm West. Sure what, I'm sure what they'll do in London is try to like, make their schedule as if it was a normal thing, you know, kind of like trick their bodies or whatever. But yeah, I mean, but they'll, they'll actually get back Sunday night, you know, because of how it kind of sort of works with the time change and the, and the trip. So, um, but it, yeah, they will be a little thrown off obviously. And um, you see more and more teams deciding to not take the buy before it used to be an automatic thing where a team would say, all right, yeah. we're definitely taking the buy um, off London, but uh, maybe they figure there's, well, I think there's a couple things. I think teams have sort of worked out a way to do the thing, like you said, like deal with the time change thing. And also with a 17-game schedule, do you really want your bye after after the fifth week? You know, and you, ideally you want it right where the Giants got it, which is pretty much yeah. smack dab in the middle of the season. The middle of the season, I think, is the best buy because there are teams that have week 14, which is like insane. And then there's teams that have like week four, which doesn't even really help you, I feel like. So. Yeah, I mean, they got it after the Giants got it after their eighth game. So it's just, yeah. it's, it's, Right at the middle, it's as close to the middle as you can get on a 17 game schedule. So, um, yeah, I don't think, but I, bottom line, they're not beating the Ravens. Yeah. So that's what two, that's two and four. Two and four. Yeah. So, and then, so this next stretch is two back to back road games, which against two teams that in theory should be easy. But I think like the way that they're coming off that Ravens game, uh, they were just in London and then they have two back to back games on opposite ends of the country. First, the Jaguars in week seven, Seahawks in week eight. 
Um, I mean, I think they can win or lose either of these games. I, I, I think the other, both of those teams are more talented than the Giants, I would say. The Jaguars, you know, are better at quarterback, but have maybe more holes elsewhere. The Seahawks have Drew Locke at quarterback, but maybe have more talent elsewhere. I can't remember what I did in my official predictions, but I, I say they split these. However, you want to, maybe I'll say they lose to the Seahawks because going to Seattle after a road trip the week before is pretty hard. So I'll say they beat the Jaguars, lose to the Seahawks. I think I had the same in my initial predictions, but I, I think I, I could see it going either way. Yeah, exactly. Um, I could see. I mean, I could see them losing both too. Like that's certainly possible. Yeah, they could beat Seattle going into the bye, and that's one that I'm sure if they win that game, they'll hold it up and say, uh, "Hey, big win." You know, we don't care if it's Drew Lock, tough place to play. Blah blah blah. Back to back road games, third road game in four weeks. We feel good about it going into the bye. Um, but at that point, I think no matter how you split those two games, I think we, we both have them at what three and five. Is that, is that yeah, math three right? And five, yeah. Three and five with wins over the Panthers, Bears, and then the Andor with the Jaguar or the Or there with the Jaguars and the Seahawks. Yep. And then, so then their buy is in Week Nine. I imagine the trade deadline will be around this time, right? User, yeah. User. Let me. Uh, it's usually right around Halloween. Um. So. Yeah, so, I, so it might be during the buy, which would be ideal for them. It, it, and like you said, they could certainly be active uh, at the trade deadline. It, it actually has – they don't have that yet on the yeah, – uh, Maybe they haven't officially announced it yet. On the know. league year dates, but uh, last year – so it's typically at the end of uh, end of uh, of October. So that times out right for that. Um, so like so that could, this could be yeah, a little no, bit of a different – November 2nd last year, so. Okay, so so then it'll be probably during the bye, and it'll be – a. It could look like a different team when they return yeah. home on the 13th of November. And so let's say they trade away Saquon, before, then all of a sudden they're going to be underdogs in almost every game. So, Including November 13th at home against the Texans, which yeah. would be... Uh, I mean, that, that might be an even one. <laughs> that would be... I mean, we talk about what would be their worst loss. It, it, I mean, uh, Bears at home, I would say, would be the worst. Bears. I think Texans Bears are pretty are bad, too. Texans were like competitive last year, though, like... I don't know. Maybe they won't be with Davis Mills is their quarterback, who certainly doesn't scare you. Um, right. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, Texans are pretty bad. So again, like that, we're going pretty cookie cutter here. But I had them beating the Texans again. I could see them losing the team like that. Certainly, like they're not good enough to say they're definitely going to beat anybody. But um, I'll give them a win here. I did too. And uh, and then the next week, the Lions at home. Uh, Lions, I mean, did the they... Lions are like they they were like a spicy team last year. They lost most of their games, but they were like. We're winning a lot of them, and I, I think they're well coached. They still have Jared Goff at quarterback. Though. I should have picked them to lose that game. I don't think I did, but I should have. Yeah, I, I picked I picked them to lose. I believe that one. So I guess that would what put them at four and seven. Yeah, if I stick with my original or four pick there, that has them at uh, I would I would have them at five and six at that point. Okay, so I would have them four and seven. But then I have them. Then as we look ahead, yeah, then it's short, short I have them kind of falling off a cliff. Thanksgiving in Dallas, like. <laughs> Short, sure, yeah. So we're, I'm gonna be. I mean, we're gonna be spending Thanksgiving in in Arlington, Texas. I'm sure Jerry Jones will have some nice meal for us in the press box. Um, but yeah, it's. I mean, I don't see them winning that game certainly, especially if they've blown up their roster at the trade deadline. Yep, they'll get spanked in that game, even if they didn't do that. Yeah. Then that ends. You know, look that that, that ends November um, through twelve games at either uh, five and seven or four and eight, right? Yeah. Which I mean, which would be about at expectations, I would say, not below or above them. It certainly wouldn't be a tr- a train wreck just from again. They wouldn't have beaten anybody, but hey, who cares? I mean, right? I mean, if you're Brian Dable and you're this team that's rebuilding, you'd be happy with that. Now they're not going to say we're happy with four and eight, but 
it's certainly bet there's a possibility that it, it could be like two and ten, right? I mean, yeah, let's like it. Let's not forget that like we're picking some wins here. The flo- but the floor, the, there's floor no is lo- the floor is low and the ceiling is also low. So there is no there are no gimmies for the this. The floor team. is that they ha- don't have any wins at this point, honestly. <laughs> right. I mean, every year you see a team that is well, one win and yeah. uh, two wins maybe I mean, end the, of November. The Giants being the Giants, they'll beat somebody like as it's a cliche to say, but They'll beat somebody they shouldn't, and they'll lose to somebody they shouldn't. So, For sure. And that Cowboy game starts to stretch a four-straight division games. They get Washington to start December at home. Washington's a tricky one. How did you have that one going on the 4th think, of December? I think I've been splitting the Washington games. I think just I did too. Because it's a, this is a dumb exercise. I just said for for uh, for just for giggles, I'll say. Um, they I had them winning on the road because uh, it's not like Washington has a home field advantage anyway. So they they were they were at home week thirteen against them. I don't know. They, Washington doesn't really scare you. The Giants, if they play well against anybody any year, it's Washington. Like more than half of Daniel Jones's career wins are against them. Uh, so I don't know. I, I had them losing this one, but whatever. It could go either way. It would be a bit of a bummer of a loss because you're coming off the extra rest for Thanksgiving. Yeah. Um, home game against a team that Daniel Jones has played well, and I had them splitting against Washington. Also, I can't remember what I had. <laughs> Uh, I think do so that I presume we, as we go ahead to the 11th of December, week 14 against the Eagles being the first James Bradbury matchup. Um, like I presume, I presume you had them going over against the Eagles and Cowboys, yes. right? Yes. Okay. So that's the Eagles a- on paper. I mean, I think you can, you can uh, frustrate Jalen Hurts and maybe, you know, Wink Martindale can confuse him, but their, their talent, especially at receiver and going against the Giants corners. And now they have Bradbury and, Terry Slate together like so I had those two losses for sure yeah and splitting the Washington series yeah um I think that's fair one division win one and five in the division it's just you know the Cowboys and Eagles are clearly in a different class than them uh then uh a game (laughs) my gosh what a depressing road trip um (laughs) I doubt I will be at this one honestly uh it is December the 24th Christmas Eve in Minnesota. Now, I, I, I will say brutal. it is an indoor stadium. The only time I've – so I covered one game ever in Minnesota. The Jets were playing Bowl. there. Didn't you cover bunch the of years. Eagles Super Bowl there or no? No, I never I, – the only Super Bowl I ever covered was the one at MetLife Stadium. Oh, right. Um, the Jets played Minnesota a few years ago before the stadium was built. It was in between stadiums. So they were playing outdoors in Minnesota in December at the University of Minnesota's outdoor stadium. Uh, which is much later, obviously, than college football is played there. So, man, it was so cold. Oh, my gosh. Uh, but this one will be inside. Beautiful stadium. Great city. Unfortunately for you and other traveling uh, reporters, Christmas we'll say, Eve. It, because it's so it's, – I've heard – so I've, I covered an Eagles-Minnesota game in 2019. Um, but I didn't really get to enjoy it because I, I like – I think it was – I had only I was only there for like 24 hours because I'd been coming from a wedding and I took a red eye and and I've heard many people tell me how cool of a city Minneapolis. Oh, it's is. great! It's not freezing out, so I was hoping to get it like early in the year so I could like explore a bit. But when it gets too cold out, like nobody's motivated to do anything outside of the hotel. So it's a great it's a great. Uh, my sister and her kids and her husband live there, and it's a great uh, summertime city. Uh, obviously, very temperate in the summer. People do stuff outside there in the winter. Obviously, that you well, will not used be one. To it, yeah. You will not be one of those people uh, who are you know ice skating on. Uh, <laughs> You know, or or maybe you could go in if you want to go inside. Go tour the Prince uh, 
Prince Museum or something like that. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I'll have to check out the mall. The mall, yeah. It's it's a big mall. <laughs> it's by the airport. So yeah, yeah. and uh, you know, there's good restaurants in Minneapolis, and so. I, but I think on the field, it's a bad matchup for the Giants. Kirk Cousins can't win in the playoffs, but he puts up good numbers, and he's uh, certainly good enough to pick apart this Giants secondary, right? Yeah, certainly. I mean, they and they have Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen, and I think the Vikings could be sneaky good this year. I think their roster is interesting. Um, and then week 17, we already said they'll lose to the Eagles in week 18. I think the Eagles probably be playing for seeding or the NFC East title. So the Giants you, can play spoiler yeah. that week. But week 17, I, I think the Colts are a little too talented. Um, the Colts are also a team that tends to lose the games they shouldn't late in the year. So that's one that like maybe wouldn't shock. I mean, it might shock me based on where the Giants are at that point. Like if they're as bad as we think they're going to be, maybe it would be shocking. But yeah, I, I have the Colts winning that one. And Matt Ryan, um, I think his uh... – his continued competence a little bit flew under the radar just because he was on a completely irrelevant team in recent years. But I mean, the guy is still, they upgraded a quarterback. Obviously the Colts did from Wentz. I think Ryan's still a pretty good player. And uh, you look at the Giants' schedule and they don't have, they don't face like a ton of like absurdly great quarterbacks. No, um, it's that, that's the, like I tweeted something like no Deshaun Watson because he's gone from Houston, yeah. no Russell Wilson because he's from gone from Seattle. Yep, those are the two big ones, right? So yes. the, you know, and then you, I mean, even the Eagles who are good have Jalen Hurts who doesn't really scare anybody. So I mean, obviously Washington, Washington upgraded. Washington. I mean, upgraded, but it's still Wentz. I mean, Wentz can beat you, I guess. But but, but yeah, they they don't. It's funny. I, so I, I tweeted something, and I think people misunderstood what I was trying to say. Where I said, you know, it, it's unfortunate that the Giants are in a full rebuild, like just kind of tearing it down this year because their schedule is easy to the point where if they had been able to like compete this year, they would have been, they might've had like a pretty good shot at the playoffs. But like my point was, my point was like, it's a, it's a shame that they decided to start the rebuild this year, as opposed to, you know, another year. And then they could go into this year competing, but they're, they're yeah, and I, th- I think they yeah. really had no choice yeah. because but, of the way but, that they've got the positive of this could be that since they're playing bad teams, you might look up at the end of the year and say, yeah, they, they were kind of competitive almost every week or they were competitive, uh, you know, 12 out of 17 games. So it's a potential confidence builder for a rebuilding team that I think they really didn't have much of a choice. They had to do that. Yes. They had, they were so hamstrung by the cap oh, yeah. and by the horrible decisions of their previous GM. Uh, it's not like they even had the ability to double down on, on a potential all in type thing. Um, so yeah, the, it, it's unfortunate for them in one way, Right, because you said, you know, like you said, but in as you also said, you know, it's it is a potential way for this young rebuilding team to sort of get some get some confidence and look up at the end of the year and say, like, hey, we so what do we have here at the end of the year? I, I had him at six wins. I think if I added up in my head, I think you had him at five. Yeah, I had him at five. Um, that's so, look. I mean, six is not bad. No, I mean, relative. What's the over under? Well, I think over under is like seven and a half for some reason. I think maybe because of their schedule. Um. At least it was before, but to ju- just a kind of off topic. But I saw I saw like a, a ranking from I think it was from PFF of the teams with the best cap health like going forward, and the Giants were like fifth. And I and so there is some light at the end of the tunnel. Like Joe Shane being patient this year, not pushing stuff down down the road. Like they're going to have a lot of cap space in twenty twenty two, probably even more once you know in, if they like were to get rid of Kenny Galladay or Dory Jackson or whatever, which are possibilities. Um, they're going to lose a lot of guys to free agency. You know, Daniel Jones, Saquon Barkley, uh, a bunch of these guys are hitting free agency. But I, I, I think next offseason you're going to see 
I think we'll really get to see what kind of GM Joe Shane. I think we saw that he's a patient GM this offseason, which was positive. Um, and, you know, they made some good picks in the first round and stuff like that. But um, they really are building towards next year and really the year after that, because I feel like this is the year they're completely rebuilding. Next year is the year maybe you start, you're more competitive and, you know, you show some light at the end of the tunnel and you show. Maybe with a rookie quarterback. Maybe a few more games. Yeah, you have a new quarterback that you're working in. And then the year after that, when you have a lot of cap space, a quarterback on his rookie deal, then you can be a competitor. So I think if John Mara sticks to his word, which he hasn't in the past with being patient, but I, I get the feeling that maybe he will this time because it seems like Joe Shane has kind of carte blanche to do what he wants. So um, there's some pot, there's things to look forward to at the very least. Like who knows what Brian Dable will be like as a coach, but um, you know, in, in theory, like if, if Joe Shane is the gym to make the right decisions and sign the right players, which, you know, they had cap space with Gettleman and he just used it on the wrong people. So, Yep. And and you were right. It was seven and a half was the, was the over under. But it, but but yeah, to your point about looking ahead and uh, you, you, they're starting a GM and a head coach on the same track, which is usually what you want to do. Yep. Um, now they did that with Gettleman and Pat Shermer. <laughs> Obviously didn't work <laughs> out in terms of putting numbers to what you were saying. I mean, that's your spot on there. That's their fifth in projected cap space. Again, that does this doesn't count potential cuts. Over the cap has them fifth in potential cap space for 2023. They got 54 million there, and you were talking about the Bears. They're first by a lot. Wow. Um, and then 2024, looking even far further out, uh, they're second. And in, in, in 20, 2023 and 24, the cap is the cap is expected to take like a huge. It's weird because like the numbers in 2024 are so high that like I you can't really look at that because yeah, because it also a lot of players aren't doesn't factor under, in like fifth year options and and guys aren't under contract. But I think if you just look at next year, I mean the top five teams right now are Bears, Seahawks, Patriots, Steelers, Giants. Um, makes sense for the Bears, right? And the Giants have fifty four million dollars. I mean, yeah, there's a lot of like rebuilding teams. I mean, the Steelers are kind of rebuilding too. So yeah, and so th- that's what Joe Shane talked about wanting to like basically rip the bandaid off, take on some dead money um, this year, and uh, just clear cap all at once, which is what they did in Buffalo. Now, what they also did in Buffalo was draft a really good quarterback and put him in the right system. And so that's cutting guys is the easy part, right? Uh, But using the cap space is the harder part. But I think more, more difficult is finding a quarterback, right? So like, yes, you know, that, that, that's where it becomes. uh, And then, and then it becomes, Hey, you're, you're, you're a five win, six win team. Where are you in the draft to going to be able to, to yeah, potentially draft the Bryce Young? Yeah. So they don't have another extra first round pick because they did not trade back. I, this I said year. this to a Giants fan friend of mine, um, kind of to annoy him, but like you just know that it's going to be end of the year. The Giants are going to be in the running for like a high pick, and they're going to like win two games that they shouldn't or something like it shouldn't in quotes for their draft. Like yeah, I mean it's weird how it works out because yeah, yeah. at the end of fourteen, for instance, the Jets were in the mix for Mariota and Winston, who you know. Obviously didn't turn out as good as everyone thought. They win in Tennessee in week 15. Rex Ryan treats it like the Super Bowl, gives Buddy Ryan the game ball. And uh, they win in they win in Miami to end the season. So they finished four and they were two and eleven, right in the mix for the number one pick. They wind up winning two of their final three games. They go into 2015 they, and they don't uh, they're not able to get Mariota Winston. What whatever, neither of them turns out to be very good anyway. But it just goes to show, like Jeff fans, I remember they were like so angry. <laughs> Uh, I guess you never know, uh, but, but but certainly like our projected five or six wins that would not put them anywhere close to being able to draft um, at least like the top two guys. This is supposed to be a good QB class, but you never yeah. really know that crap. 
Yeah, Bryce Young, and then there's the, there's the kid from Florida, young. and the kid from Ohio State, right? Yeah. So, so. and then I think there maybe like one or two others I've been talking like, but yeah, it's so early. Like there'll probably be someone we've never heard of that comes out of nowhere. So, um, like Joe I mean, Burrow, they're gonna get no matter. I mean, they're gonna be a top ten team, so they'll have a shot at a quarterback. But you, you want the best possible. You want Trevor Lawrence. You don't want you know, Dwayne Haskins kind of thing. Yeah, so C.J. Stroud from Ohio State, and then the kid from Florida is Anthony Richardson, and then, of course, Bryce Young from Alabama is up there. So those are the top three guys right now, but, like, right now is middle of May, and these guys haven't really had You know, I, I was looking at that kid, Anthony Richardson, and he's barely played. He's hardly played at all. The other two guys, Stroud and Young. with that guy, yeah. Yeah, Stroud and Young have a body of work. So, but you never know. I mean, like, look, I think we were talking at this time last year, someone mentioned that Spencer Rattler was, like, the number one quarterback for this, this coming draft from 2022, right? And he was so bad in the season that, that he, he got benched and he's wound, he wound up transferring from Oklahoma to South Carolina. So uh, expectations can can change in a major way when you're talking about kids who are 19, 20 years old. Yeah. Um, yep, it's going to be – I mean, that, that, that's that, this is gonna, it's funny. We're talking about – we're going – Deeper than we expected about quarterbacks next year, but that's gonna we're gonna be. We're talking already about, talking about the draft. Oh my you're, god! You're gonna find that you're gonna find that happening a lot this year. I think <laughs> we're gonna be looking ahead like a lot. Like it just kind of that's just where this team is. I think Joe Shane is already thinking about next year. Probably. Like I don't think they they hope they're competitive this year. I think, but it's all about next year, and it's gonna be like the the team that you see in week one is gonna look so much different than the team you see next year in week one because I don't think Saquon comes back. I don't. You know, oh. Daniel Jones, like all all these guys, they're gonna cut so many guys. Like it's all the main guys. Like maybe even Leonard Williams isn't here next year for all we know. Like so, it's it's uh it's gonna be very interesting. But um, we we can wrap up on that. Um, we'll get back to you guys again another week or two. Uh, we'll have some OTA observations by then. I'm sure. Um, I'm sure something weird will happen. It always does on this beat. But uh, thank you guys for listening, and uh, we'll talk to you soon.